and welcome back to another edition of the Profit Roadmap. I'm Barry Duplessis alongside Cody Owen. Barry, could you stop moving cups on the table while we're trying As to record? Oh my always. god. Always. Alyssa, leave all of this in so <laughs> the audience can see what Bear does to us. Oh man, we're getting right back into it, uh, folks, here. We've got... Uh, Cody and Bear, uh, we're not in room 112 anymore, but uh, <laughs> it is going downhill quick here at SA6 2019 here in Plano, Texas. So I uh, appreciate you guys inviting me back here. And uh, what, what are we getting into? What kind of trouble? Mike Callahan, CEO of Simple Growth. Thank you so much. CEO and founder. You got to throw in the end founder. I mean, it adds, it, you know, it adds so much to a person's That's title to have the and Whatever, the and symbol. I don't even know what Why it's called. Why are you interrupting me while Sorry. I'm introing the guest? Because <laughs> you need all the help you can get. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back here at SA6. How you doing? Good, good. It's been uh, it's been a crazy couple months here uh, with Simple Growth. And, um, you know, I, I guess we originally we were getting into this, so we weren't going to kind of let the cat out of the bag. But as I'm sitting here, I, I think uh, transparency is the best. And uh, we're actually, uh, unintentionally, the uh, lawn care company got acquired uh, last fall. Uh, wasn't necessarily on the market, but um, it was interesting. We had an international company that uh, gave us a call. Originally, I hung up on him thinking it was my uh, buddy Garrett Matthews uh, putting me <laughs> on. So um, interesting thing is they did call us back, but uh, really wasn't being shopped. Uh, but I guess the old saying is uh, if the price is right, eventually it is for sale. So um, I guess their biggest question is, was it a fully automated business um, that didn't revolve around the business owner? And I guess this kind of ties back to our last talk of, uh, the main three areas of business that you, you can automate and basically create a turnkey solution where you can become an absentee owner um, between sales and employee and repetitive tasks. So uh, it's been a, a whirlwind. We haven't really publicly announced it, so I can't think of a better place to uh, at least spread the good news here. Um, so this it's is a, a profit roadmap exclusive. It is. So uh, we're, we're breaking it first here, but um, it's been about 11, maybe 10 months um, since that uh, acquisition was made final. Um, so like I said, really wasn't anticipated. It was an international company that originally started the journey um, looking for basically service businesses to go out and acquire that were turnkey that the business owner didn't have to stay on. So uh, unlike most acquisitions, uh, when we did get acquired, uh, once I did sign the paper, um, I literally was done that day. Uh, so I did not have to ever go back to that office. Um, due diligence-wise, ethically, I made sure my internal staff was taken care of, raises, uh, different benefits, things like that, um, in addition to you know my subcontractors as well. So I think uh, it was unintentional. Uh, my passion has obviously been in lawn care and landscape, snow removal in upstate New York for uh, last 25 years now. So um, the business pretty much was an absentee owner. There was really no intentions of getting rid of it. Um, but given uh, the valuations of businesses in our market, um, after cons consulting with some of the other people um, that I highly respect, they thought that that valuation would probably never happen again in our market. So uh, we ended up doing, going through the due diligence. And um, right now, my passion, which has been lately, is uh, helping other small business owners on that journey of taking their life back from the business. So in Callahan's, we had... Uh, some things we got lucky enough to do right, but other things we, we failed at miserably. So um, it, it sounds corny. It kind of teared me up a little bit uh, a couple months ago. But I had a gentleman call me uh, who had never been to his kid's football game. And he said, hey, Mike, you know, I just want to thank you. I went to my kid's football game last night. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, Dave, that's uh, it's good to hear. He goes, no, I don't think you understand. It's been six or seven years. I've never been to my kid's game. So what I realized is what we're doing is helping people avoid those pitfalls that I had in my business. So... Um, I'm kind of rambling on here. I don't yeah. guess we can take the conversation wherever you want, but um, 
you know, I just kind of wanted to let that out in the public. Now the dust has settled after retention payout. So traditionally, when you, you sell a business, which I had no idea about, uh, you need to retain a percentage of your clients to get that final um, payout in those numbers. So uh, obviously, we weren't trying to hide it. If people had asked us directly, they heard about it. We talked about it. Um, but we didn't really publicly announce it because we wanted to make sure, I guess, financially that we had that payout for the retention. Yeah. That's great news, and congratulations on that, Mike. Uh, I guess the, the, the real question, the big question that everyone's asking is, uh, or probably to themselves, is this is your, this is November now, and you're, so you're going into your second season of not having to plow any more snow. So how do you feel about that? Um, it, it's kind of an interesting transition. I will tell you the first time we had snow last November, um, just as it basically uh, happened or December, uh, we had a freak storm of 17 inches. I woke up in the middle of the night going, Oh my gosh, hope the guys are out on the trucks. And you know, Paul who was running the business had made that contact, but, uh, that realization took a few days to realize that, uh, we weren't still living in the trenches that we've been in the last 24 to 25 years. Um, so I, I bear, I don't know if it was really a good feeling or a bad feeling. It was a different feeling. Um, but it, we're, I'm still really trying to stay uh, in the trenches of the industry here. And who knows after that non-compete, you know, I could be back in uh, the thick of it. Like I said, it was a, an anticipated uh, acquisition, um, but it's allowed us to concentrate on my core passion, right? A simple growth. So yeah. um, we've tied in with uh, ASCA, um, Snow Contractors Association, and I've done several talks and hung out in Pittsburgh and um, Philly and some other cities the last couple months, working with some of the biggest snowplow companies in the whole entire country. Um, so I'm really trying to stay attuned of what that feel feels like on a daily basis. And if you've been in this for 20 years, it's it's hard to forget what that looks like on a daily basis when yeah. it snows. So well, let's talk about. Oh, Sorry. Uh, let's talk about. So this wasn't like something you were looking for. You weren't like shopping your business to be sold. But what? I mean, you kind of talked about how it's turnkey and all that. Let's talk about, like, what are the hallmarks of uh, a business that the owner can actually exit? Like, what made Callahan's sellable? Yeah, so I guess it kind of goes back to um, the automation story. So I know we maybe have touched this on the first uh, roadmap edition in the early days when uh, you young millennials were still cutting your teeth. So we'll have a quick quick rehash. He's of what the it millennial, Mike. <laughs> we're, like, closer to the same age than him and I are. Bear, I was trying to give you benefit of the doubt, buddy. Oh. Dude, Bear's old. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn. So uh, the quick the quick rendition of it is is basically when I started that business in high school, worked my way through college. That business was really revolving around me as a single point of failure. So hundred hour weeks, literally no exaggeration. Uh, married my high school sweetheart, and that that business literally um, caused a divorce. I'll never forget. She came home Valentine's Day and literally left me and said, "You own you own your business." That's your life, and that's it. So after hitting rock bottom, uh, we just went on the internet and found, you know, tried to find a solution to getting my life back from my business. And I found a automation platform uh, probably six or seven years ago, well before SA had automations, and it was my journey of never to resell it, but just kind of gain back that time and that passion. Um, so I just started with the little little parts of the business that revolved around me that we could automate. Um, so we tackled the sales process first, and as we kind of added on each part it became a fully automated sales system that didn't revolve around me. Next thing is now we've got 20 or 30 employees plus, um, and it, it's becoming a headache because we needed, well, actually before that, let me circle back. After we had all those sales, we needed people to actually do the work. So we almost went out of business at that point. So we had to go out and find all these people to do the work. 
Um, so we created an automated system because every time we hired or interviewed, I had to be there to physically do it. Um, so that was obviously not where I wanted to be again. Um, so we ended up automating each piece of that recruiting, training, and onboarding system for employees, complete with video training for the office as well as the field staff. So it was turnkey. So you kind of see where I'm going with this with this acquisition. Um, and then the next thing is you had those 20, 30, sometimes 40 employees plus, and the business owner and manager would get sucked back in. Now it became the full-time daycare again because if I wasn't there telling them what to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, so on, it never happened. Mm-hmm. So we realized is at this point we had taken our automations that we had built for Callahan and reinserted them into Service Autopilot and built them natively in that platform. And inside SA, we realized it was about seven parts of a core business could be automated. So um, they were sales, customer service, scheduling, billing, um, maintenance, and owner. Yes, owner, because the owner needed to be held accountable, in my opinion, as well to actually, you know, file those taxes, whatever else was going on until we delegated it. And for instance, maybe we had, uh, well, actually, a good example is when I was at GIE with you guys last year. Um, a to-do or a task, a repetitive task was assigned to Paul that ran Callahan's. And if he didn't winterize the spray tanks because things freeze up north, these things would have self-imploded. So if he didn't do his job, I would have got a text message saying, hey, Paul didn't winterize these tanks. You better get home and fix it. Uh, but normally I would have to remember to do that, call him and tell him what to do, what materials he needed, and how to do it. Uh, now we created this automated process where it literally gave him a shopping list of how many RV fluid gallons he needed, the manufacturer's video, and a time and deadline. So now the power of Service Autopilot and its automations manage that repetitive workflow. And when this person was coming in or this company was coming in to look at the acquisition, they wanted to buy a service company they could step into and not have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And that was that path. So that was simple growth evolved out of that. Everything we built was never built to resell. Uh, Chad Cranson, actually one of the other SA members, came into my office you know, four or five years ago and said, hey, what have you been up to? We've got a big screen on the office. And he says, um, hey, Mike, what have you been up to? So I showed him and I was all excited. He goes, wow, you should probably create a business and help people with this and make some money. And I, in my own little bubble, said, well, isn't everybody doing this? And lo and behold, no one in the service industry had been doing this. Um, and, and honestly, in the service industry, very few people are doing it now. Um, So that was kind of my personal journey to take my life back from my business. Um, But what I will say is whether you're building the automations yourself or you go out and have somebody help you with them, um, the idea is to buy back the time to be able to either work on the business and not in it like Michael Gerber or be able to spend time in friends and family. But I think the biggest thing, um, and I guess I kind of knew but didn't really understand, is I was actually building an asset that had a real value. So whether I was going to sell or not, I had something at the end of the day when I went to retire that was actually yeah. worth something. We're building value. Yeah. So just on that note about value, Mike, so you, like you said, you, this wasn't something you were seeking out. It was something that kind of just landed on your doorstep and everything. Uh, what, what would be the biggest piece of advice for someone who may have feel the same way and, and might even still, even hearing those words from someone like you who actually eventually did make that decision, what comforting words or what words of wisdom can you provide to that person who's like, I'll, I, I don't want to sell it. I'm not open to that. What, how, what would you, how would you encourage them? Um, so I guess one of the things in the opening talk here of SA6, Jonathan Petoshnik, the co-founder of Service Autopilot, I caught a bit of his talk. I was a little busy getting ready for mine. But um, the small portion that I, t- he, I saw his talk um, resonate. And I think it actually, it, it, it's a good clarification of what you just asked, Bear, is um, the importance of data 
and having clean books and understanding the financial transactions and the ebbs and flows of cash flow um, and having somebody hold you accountable for it. Because I will tell you, um, when you do that, similar to like even going into like Mike Michalowicz, uh, Profit First, if you hire one of the professionals, um, I think Garrett Matthews said it best, you, you basically get naked. Um, and there's nothing to hide. So whether you go to sell it or you want to do something like Michalowicz Profit First, setting a process and system that tracks financial data and other data points as far as production rate-based estimating things is, is really important. And you don't know it till you know it, but I had no idea how they would have actually broken apart that business to actually make sure the valuation was fair. Um, so having that data for day-to-day operations and accountability yourself is important, but really understanding um, how to build a business that has value. Uh, a great book is Built to Sell. I don't remember the author off the top of my head, um, but that is... I was going to say, you're going to put a link in the show notes, aren't you? Uh, but that, that book, if you're, even if you're not looking to sell, is very interesting, um, laying the foundational process of creating a business that doesn't revolve the owner. It's scalable, and it's a sellable asset. Very similar to uh, Michalowicz's pumpkin plan that he's talking here at SA6, which I can't wait to see. Um, but uh, you know, those, those two books would be great resources for, for everybody listening. Not to insert myself in answering Bear's question, but even if right now you're not interested in selling your business, there's no reason you shouldn't be building toward removing yourself as uh, the like key man in your business because, God forbid, you break a leg, you... Uh, you know, get sick or you have a family member get sick, if you need to be there every day for your business to work, then you're setting yourself up for having disaster come and leave your business not able to weather it. The time to make your business an asset and to protect you is before you need it to be that. Yeah, just just a huge liability. Um, I mean, you, you couldn't have said it better. I think one of the other things, too, is it's funny. We had a conversation um, down around the bar the other night here at, at SA6 before when we got in with a couple of the members. And I think sometimes we, we need to take pride out of the way. Um, so I can use the analogy of simple growth just to kind of be candid about it. But um, maybe as you, as you grow a business, you're the person that gets it to a half a million or 750 or maybe even a million and beyond. Um, but maybe you're not the CEO that's going to get it to where it needs to go. Maybe you're just a really good technician. You're a detailed person. Um, and I think in having that self-awareness that when you're in an area that is not your strong suit, that you really need to go out and hire somebody to be complimentary. And, and maybe you're really good and you enjoy being on the truck every day and you're a great um, you know, team leader, crew leader, or technician for a better lack of words. There's nothing wrong with that if that's where you bring the value of training and bring predictable systems. And maybe somebody else runs the data and financials. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to simple growth. Like So originally I had built 99% of the automations, but we've got a pretty deep bench of about seven people now. Um, so Bill and Lori and Chad uh, do probably 95% of our automation development and testing where my skill set, I feel, is more of a visionary, getting the marketing content out and doing the budgeting projection, so where we want to go. Um, but if I was behind the scenes still developing the automations and the software end of it, uh, we could never get to where we're at. And, and I can't really get into the personal background, but it's um, their development background is is next to nothing. I mean, it's 100%. I mean, they are rock stars on their whole, like, a different level. But um, given their background, there's no way that I could compete with those people. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to, but we've got that skill set now. So it was obvious to me that my my part of the business had to be pulled away from that 
Now I can still build them. I can still do them. I can test them. I know what they're doing. But now I can give them the vision of where we want to go, and I allow those team members to build and support that. And through our, our weekly meetings, I'm still part of it. I have ownership of it. But now I'm bringing, bringing the value of where I think my skill set is at this point. So I don't know if that makes sense. but Yeah, well, it makes total sense. I've, I've said this a couple of times in a couple of the solo podcasts that I've done. Where you know, and and oh, we were kind of because I don't listen to those. Yeah, exactly. So, but we well, you got a taste of it before we actually recording here. You said that my head was really big, so you know, I've always say that uh, I'm 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 one of the most arrogant people that I know because I feel like I'm right about everything. But I'm also I'm also arrogant enough to know that I can still learn something, and so I think that kind of goes to what you're saying because like you you know you're great at developing and doing all those things that these other these other team members do, but they take it to the next level. And with that account, you know that kind of self realization, that accountability of yourself, you can learn from them and learn the fact that you can apply yourself in a in a, in a better area, and that just makes your that just makes your business work that much better. It's not that you can't do it. It's not that you can't even do it great. But now you've got some people who can do it even better, and then you can apply where your expertise lies and make for a much better experience all around. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't set it better myself. All right. Number that, one, that sums up what some of my solo podcasts include, by yeah, the way. So that arrogantly humble one. Yes. Like the, yeah, the, the most contradictory name, the most listened to podcast. That episode. is not true. <laughs> uh, we posted an episode that neither of us is on of Jonathan giving a conference talk, and that is our most listened to episode ever. Well, that sounds about right. You remove so. Cody and Bear from the profit roadmap, it does so much better. Uh, so, Mike, uh, we're putting systems in place that try to automate even uh, a lot of the owner's role to make sure that this business can run without us. What What is something in that area that you think people overlook, like as a, a parting piece of wisdom? Um, so I guess if I'm going to answer that question, raised, I, I would say, and you're asking, what, what would they automate to be, do that parting role? Yeah, like what do they? What do people miss that like they don't realize that they're still doing it, and if they weren't there, it wouldn't happen. Um, I don't know if I'm going to give that answer or question justice, but I guess the the first thing is you need to basically define what each process in the system is and do it manually and make sure it works correctly before you automate it because otherwise you're automating a bad system. And then not necessarily related to that, but I think the, the turning point is when that business owner has that, I call it a knowledge silo. So everything that's in your head, um, it's stuck in your head. So you are the key point of everybody going in like, hey, where's the mechanic or how do I do this? Or I'm the only one that can do a design build estimate because it's so complex. Um, when we take that knowledge out of our head and disseminate it through um, – a product kind of or in, inside service autopilot we call it the wiki that's your 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 solid um central knowledge base so they can you, go ask service autopilot their question instead of coming in interrupting well yeah but you're actually creating what's in your head and documented in the wiki mm-hmm. inside service autopilot yeah. so when my team would come to me and say hey you know where's this or where's that or how do i do this did you check the wiki and I knew what was in there and what wasn't in there. So if it wasn't in there, I'd make a video or copy, marketing copy or text or something and put it in there. But the idea is to take the self-reliance of all the things that's in your head and put it in a central database and share yeah. it and have ownership of it. So it's not necessarily what you missed because you're going to continue to miss things, but you don't realize how much stuff you're holding hostage from your team. So if you have a place and you can share it, and then when they come up with stuff, they create their own thing and share it, and they have ownership, and now you're driving as a team forward. So I know I probably didn't answer your question, No, but, that, but that's like, kind of what resonated when, when you asked that. Yeah, but that's an awesome system, and I feel like 
like I worked in support for almost two years, I encountered so few people who were using the wiki yeah. uh, in their service autopilot account to do anything. Uh, so I think that that's awesome. Like make sure that you, you're answering the question essentially once and making it where it's a resource that everybody can go back to uh, and get that answer again. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think if you, what I've always advised on the wiki specifically is if you do a, if you do something more than once and that's a task that's repetitive, uh, that eventually you're going to farm out. Yep. Uh, that's something worth putting in that, in right that type of, process, yeah, that yeah. kind of process yeah, so in a database. It's kind of, uh, kind of a resurgence of the wiki. We, um, for anybody, well, they, they can buy it separately, but what we did is for anybody who's working with us on our employee level three automations and, and, uh, and service autopilot, we just, uh, currently added this into the wiki for them. And it's a 36 video document bundle and six modules complete with testing strictly for your office, how to use service autopilot from lead acquisition through fulfillment and billing sequentially, um, and we, we wanted to take that. We just gave it to them for free. It wasn't something we charged for, um, but we put that in there to kind of help encourage people to take the stuff out of our head and start adding to that wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty interesting. Uh, we had one gal down in um, Baton Rouge who'd been off the street. Uh, they pulled it, you know, never used service autopilot. And within five to seven days, she was up and running using it as if she'd been using it for years. Another one of my buddies sent uh, his head admin down to his office. And within two to three hours, she was driving back to his shop. And he had called me and said, what did you do down there? You know, she knows as much as the girl that's been in my office one or two years. Um, But it it just, when that business owner had that uh, individual in their onboarding process go in there and basically take the virtual knowledge silo that I had in my head that we actually created a video series for, it disseminated the knowledge that I potentially been holding hostage for a while, um, guiltily, but it it, it got her up and running and it, it drove the foundational parts of the software and how to use it and applied it to real world examples like weekly or bi-weekly mowing or in the cleaning industry we made a separate version of it so we talked about top to bottom a weekly or bi-weekly and that i think is the big biggest disconnect when we go into any software or system and we try to um tell people how to do it we're we take so many things for granted, but if we can tie it into a real-world example and use their vernacular of a weekly or bi-weekly clean or the, the words that we're using in those service industry trenches, it, it resonates. Um, sometimes when we're looking at a video and it's just talking about a feature or function, it doesn't resonate. But if you can explain how, what was in your head and how they're doing it and it relates to their actual day-to-day job and why it's valuable – um, that light bulb comes on. So that's been one thing that we've seen right. in that wiki. It depends how you document it. If you just stick it in there and don't make any correlation of how or why it works, um, you're wasting your time. But if you can actually tie in the wiki and this how it, it evolves into your actual workflow for the day and how it's going to benefit you, people will read it and they'll watch those videos. Yeah. Mike, thank you yes, so much. absolutely. Guys, go, go add things to your wiki. Yes. Build a database of knowledge be humbly arrogant create a board and be open be open to the possibilities you know it changed it changed mike's world up and uh and look at him now that's scary well i appreciate you guys having me back on and wanted to uh wish bear a happy belated birthday thank you and uh congratulations on the new family member and uh things are going well the new addition is here i moved into bear's house (laughs) well hey time's rough somebody had to i had dibs on that spare couch too So. Well, my uh, my newborn son probably has about as much hair as Cody too, so it's it's uh, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be anything different if Cody moved into the place. So um, I cry a lot too, alone that's, at night. That's in the absolutely dark. true. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening. Yes. We will see you next time on the Profit Roadmap. 
The music in this episode of The Prophet Road Mac was Rip Tide and Summon the Rock by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff, Incompetech.com.